Self-worth is the unlock. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Uh, I think the only key to success is to always be focusing on two things. Focus on creating. First off, most important is focus on what interests you. Because if you're not interested, nobody's going to be interested. And then second, focus on what benefits the listener and interests you. Welcome to the Self-Care Savage podcast. A self-care savage is a term that I've coined that combines elements of self-care in a more assertive and bold approach to taking care of oneself and growing their self-worth. On the Self-Care Savage podcast, we will explore how self-care and self-worth are always in the driver's seat in all parts of our lives and how we act and react to life. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And take a quick second to give the podcast a rating and a review. That's how we grow and reach more people to spread the message. Chris, again, thanks for being here. I uh, I think what what I'd like to do first with you is is for my listeners and in my community and is finding out a little bit more about you, your history, uh, maybe. A little bit about growing up, your life, and kind of up until you got into, you know, um, all the hacks. Yeah. So I was definitely not a kid who knew. Oh, first off, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was not someone who grew up and knew necessarily what I wanted to do, but I, I, my whole childhood, I had a desire to just try new things and try to figure out ways to make things work. And, um, you know, it was definitely the, kid who had the lemonade stand but also the kid who tried to build snowboard jumps in the down on the hill and tried to figure out how to create a fake newsletter magazine to get into concerts and all kinds of stuff so there was there was elements of life hacking along the way but when I went to college in Colorado so I grew up in Virginia outside DC went to college in Colorado I didn't even really know that you were supposed to get a job until a few months before grad like senior year I went back home for Thanksgiving and I had all these friends that were like, what are you going to do next year? And I was like, well, I don't know. And they're like, well, we all have jobs. And I was like, what do you mean you have jobs? We don't graduate till May. And they were like, well, all the good jobs, like those companies hire people early. And I just went back and I was like, I have no idea. I had not figured out what I wanted to do. And I just frantically needed to find a job. And over the course of almost like 15 years, I tried probably 10 different things from investment banking to management consulting to backpacking to uh, consulting, uh, working at startups, starting companies, being an investor. And then kind of in the middle of COVID, 
the theme along all that was I always loved optimizing everything and sharing that with friends at dinner and everything like that. And during COVID, I just couldn't have those dinner table conversations. And I thought, gosh, I still am trying to learn all these optimizations and all these hacks. What if I just record it? And that led to the podcast. But it was a wild journey that if you had told me I would be here, you know, any number of years ago from three to 35, I, I, I would have never imagined it. Nice. So, so when, what did you, what's your degree in? What'd you, what were you studying mostly? So I always was entrepreneurial. And so when I went to college, I wanted, I, I looked at this one school in Boston called Babson because it was like a school for people who wanted to start companies and entrepreneurship. And I was, I kind of knew going into college, I wanted to start a company or work in business. I'm not sure high school me knew what that really meant, but I was looking for schools that had undergraduate business programs or entrepreneurship something. And then the girl I was dating went to school at Colorado State. And I was like, well, they have that. And she's going there. Let's just go there. Um, and then we broke up very promptly after as, as every single story that starts out <laughs> like that ends. Um, but when I got there, I was like, I'm going to do business. And they're like, well, you have to pick. And then they had five choices. It was finance, management, marketing, uh, computer information systems, and accounting. And I was like, well, I want to start a company. And they're like, well, that's not an option. And I was like, hmm. So I just picked marketing because I thought, well, most companies end up hiring someone to run accounting and finance. They end up hiring someone to run all the computer information systems. And so it's marketing or management. And it seemed like management was something that everybody's got to figure out. And, and it's not really like a degree. It didn't make sense to me. It seemed like something you'd learn through experience. So it was like by process of elimination, I was like, I guess I have to major in marketing. No, had no interest in marketing, but it just seemed like the best of the five choices because I had to pick some concentration. And so what do you think now? You think that was the, did that, did that do you any good? Was that the best choice? I think that the marketing they teach in college, at least where I went, I didn't go to a tier one or tier two university. It, it was you know, the number of years between the case study, making it into the book, making it into the classroom. It, like I was already thinking internet marketing and the school was like billboard marketing. So I think there were some fundamentals I learned. I think a lot of the courses, if I think back to the courses that actually stuck with me, there was one course on pricing, which, you know, whether you're pricing on the internet or whether you're pricing in a, you know, a Walmart, like the fundamentals of how you price things and the questions you ask to understand consumer position, that stuck with me. Some of the finance stuff I had to take stuck with me, but the general marketing, I can't remember a single thing that stuck with me. So I needed to do something. So it worked. Leading into, you know, the, the podcast and, and kind of taking a look at that and getting down the road. I also know you, were, well, let's back up for a second, because I know that you, you started a, a company, right? Yeah. So when I left college, I, I ended up going to the dean of the College of Business and saying, I need a job. And you probably know the most people. I heard investment banking and management consulting are good jobs. Can you help me? Made some introductions, got those jobs. Uh, but that was not for me. Like I always knew I was a more entrepreneurial person. I didn't do well when it was like, hey, I don't care if you have an idea. Your job is to make the spreadsheet. And I was like, well, I have this idea. What if it's good? And they're like, well, we don't care. Like that's not what you're here for. Uh, so that didn't didn't bode well for me. So I knew I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. And when as soon as I learned that people built companies on the internet, I was like, I have to do that. You know, I went to this event and we experienced 
we went, we experimented with building companies over the weekend. And then I was like, uh, where do people do this? Silicon Valley. Like there's all these people building startups. I was like, I have to move there. I'm going to do this. And over the course of, I don't know, five, 10 years in Silicon Valley, it was join a few startups, kind of join a company getting off the ground, but it was, it wasn't my idea work as an investor. And then ultimately in about 2016, I was like, I'm going to start a company and it's going to be, you know, like my idea, my thing. And I had a co-founder, but you know, I was, I was the CEO of that company. Uh, it was called Grove. The idea was to help people with financial planning and help them understand money and not be stressed and make good decisions. Ultimately the company didn't necessarily work out, but, uh, it was a great experience and we learned a lot. I know you brought up, you know, social media and, and, and learning, you know, about the internet and understanding, you know, the build the business and things like that. So today, what is your relationship with social media business wise, as well as, you know, personally, because I know you also had mentioned before, you, you're not very active uh, posting. So t- tell me about that when you're when you're kind of working in that and then the podcasting and all that. What, where's, what how does that fit or does it? Yeah, so. I remember joining Twitter back in 2007 or 2008 when it was just getting started. And it was like, it was a different thing. It was like a place to to share things with a handful of people that you probably actually knew in real life. And, and I love that. I remember in high school or in college, emailing Facebook, like petitioning them to launch Facebook at my university because it wasn't there yet. So like, I loved the internet. I loved sharing online, but sharing you know, takes very different formats. It can be pictures, texts, audio. And over the last 10 years, I've experimented with lots of things. I've started a blog and shut the blog down. I've started the blog again and shut the blog down. I've started trying creating social content, sharing video, picture content, and nothing ever felt like it wasn't forced. Like it always felt like I was trying to do this thing that didn't feel natural and it kind of waned off. And as social media became more about sharing with people you don't know than sharing with people you do know, I think I kind of lost a little bit of my interest because it was kind of worth it to take a picture and share it to my friends because I got validation from people I knew. But for me, random people seeing my picture was not enough to keep me motivated to keep sharing photos. Uh, And then when I was running my startup, I went on a few shows as a podcast guest talking about how people should really be thinking about improving their financial situation, what to invest in, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, I love this medium of being on a podcast. Still had never connected the dots that I should start one, but eventually started one and it just stuck. And I was like, finally, I found a a medium I can share to the world in that is very natural, doesn't feel like work. And so yeah, is it social media? Is a podcast social media? Maybe not, but you know, they're all different ways to share something with the world, both friends and people you don't know. And for me, this is the one that I that I've stuck with. And so, when, when did you start? When did you start that? Started the podcast in twenty. It's I got this amazing coaster that someone sent me as a thank you gift. If anyone's on video, it says all the hacks established twenty twenty one. So two years ago. Yeah, social media is this. Uh, it's not going away. It's here. It's uh, it's what where business is done mostly now. Personally, now I know you use it a little bit for your podcast. I know you're, of course, you know you have the presence of you know when you click on your profile, you can click onto the podcast and things like that. Do you advertise your podcast 
through like Facebook and stuff like that? Or do you, is it, has it grown just word of mouth? I'd say it's, uh, it's interesting. I think because I was so active in social media when it was a place to communicate with friends and I, I struggle with this world where I would have a Instagram profile and I would be just posting clips of a podcast to like in the same place that I would share with my friends pictures of a family vacation. And maybe the real answer is I just need to create an all the hacks Instagram account and a Chris Instagram account and they're different. And I think honestly, deciding whether I want to be two people or one person is, is what struggled because Instagram wasn't a place where I was sharing tips and hacks. It was a place where my friends could see what was going on in my life. And I struggle a lot with using it for that other form, but maybe I just need to get over it, to be honest. Uh, but no, I, I've experimented with a few months of let's clip up the podcast, put it out. I think a lot of what we share on the show is like very tactical. Here is how to save money doing X. Here's how to go on a trip for free. Here's how to get an upgrade at the next hotel you're at. Like, how do you upgrade, optimize, and improve your life, your money, your travel? So I think it's really good for bite-sized social media content. I just personally have this struggle with two things, actually. One, I just like doing things at a very high quality, and I think you never know what works. And so the, a, a strategy that many people adhere to is, we'll just put it all out there and see what works. And I'm like, well, if you put out 100 clips, you're going to put out stuff that you're not proud of. And I, I struggle to get over that. That's a personal thing. And then also just, I'm not keeping up the personal content at a cadence anywhere matching that. So if I'm throwing 100 clips out and I want my family and cousins to not be overwhelmed, I feel like I need to match it with 100 bits of personal stuff. And I post on Instagram maybe once every six months. So like, it's just, it's just tough. Um, but yeah, so when it came to growing the podcast, I was like, I don't know if that's the right channel for me. Uh, I also think it's hard to get someone who's scrolling through TikTok, looking at engaging, interesting things 30 seconds at a time to say, wow, that was cool. Maybe I should go take one hour out of my day and listen to this thing. And so I'm not necessarily convinced that the best strategy to grow a podcast is to go put yourself on a platform where people are used to 30 second bites. And the friends I know that have millions and millions of followers on social that have launched podcasts certainly didn't turn their podcasts into podcasts with millions and millions of listeners for that reason. So a lot of it has just been focusing on trying to make the best content I can, trying to let listeners know that sharing it is helpful and, you know, establishing and going on other shows where I can be in front of other people who are actually listening to one hour conversations on audio in their ears, because those people are more likely to be interested in other way, other podcasts. So that's helped more than social. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. 
You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash SelfCareSavage. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash SelfCareSavage. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. There's so many different ways to look at it. Paul and I have been talking about this. And again, because I'm new to this versus where you are as far as the podcasting, I've been fortunate because I have a, a larger following like on Instagram, you know, in across all platforms is TikTok. I'm trying to get it in front of as many people as I can. I'm throwing my hat in the speaker arena, even though that's going to be a, a frightening experience. And all of these things because I want to get my message out. And Paul's taught me, and, and I believe that, that once you have a podcast following, once you get people bought into that with a podcast, it's different than your platform, your social media platforms. It's These people are extremely uh, bought in. I mean, on the podcast, they're, you know, always there. Very, very Is that true, Paul? Isn't that what you kind of talked about? Yep. That's that's what I'm preaching normally. I, I was, I'm curious if you feel the same way, Chris, just from my experience. Uh, I think just our, our guest yesterday mentioned uh, parasocial relationships, which, you know, I don't know if there's necessarily that, you know, where you, you, you almost have like you, you have like a relationship with the person you're listening to. Yeah, I definitely have gotten that feedback. Listeners are like, oh, I feel like I'm just on the couch and I'm hearing you and we're friends and I actually got an email from one of my listeners yesterday who invited me to his wedding. I never even emailed with this person. He's like, I just feel like I know you so well. I wanted to send you an invite to my wedding. And if I wasn't already out of town, I was like, that'd be just like a weird, fun thing to randomly, you know, <laughs> I don't want to set a precedent that if you send me an email, I'm going to your wedding. But uh, <laughs> at least one time, it might be just a fun story to tell. But I definitely, if you look at the amount of time listeners stay, you know, on podcasting, it's usually by the end of this, at least 50% of people are here on YouTube, it might be 15%. And on TikTok, it's like what percentage of people that start a clip finish it, it's probably like 1%. Uh, and, and even the people that finish it only lasted like a minute. Um, and so it's just a different place where people have a different expectation of the relationship they have. And you know, it's in their ear. It's like, it's right there. You can be walking and hearing it. I, don't, I, I think it's a really cool medium that I like a lot more than other mediums, which, you know, rely on flash and sizzle. And, you know, I remember talking to someone about intros to podcasts and they're like, well, on YouTube, you really need to get that intro under 20 seconds. And I was like, I've never had a problem on a podcast. Like I don't see a steep drop off in my intros on the podcast, but on YouTube without a flashy short intro, it doesn't work very well. And so I don't know. I just like the medium of a longer conversation. It, it reminds me of, you know, sitting down at a dinner table with friends and having a conversation there, which is what I 
kind of want more. Are, are most of your guests, are, are you, are y'all together? Do you have a, are most of your, do you do most of your interviews with the person in the room? No. So I, funny enough, behind me is a, an in-person setup that I've used twice. Uh, I think I've, I've used another studio twice, maybe three times. So I have five of 130 episodes are with people in person. But a few things are interesting. One, on my show, it started out in my head as an interview show. And now about half or more, more than half of the episodes are just me solo. And that major change ha- was because my goal was to help people take a topic or a tactic and really get a, a fast-paced masterclass in it. So if you want to optimize your insurance policies... I have an episode, I think it was 104, that is everything you need to know about your insurance policies. I couldn't find someone that I thought could help deliver that in the way I could, so I just did the research and did the episode myself. Um, I think in-person interviews are much better for rapport building, but they're not always better for, it sounds crazy, but it's like information uh, you know, collection. And if I'm sitting remote, it's like we are going to, we're less likely to, you know, shoot the breeze and and hang out and catch up on life and talk about backstories, which for some conversations is really helpful. But for a conversation of let me understand everything I possibly can from you about this thing, you know, I, I had a great conversation on leadership with the former commander of SEAL Team 2. And I was like, on a personal level, we could just story. T- you could tell stories for an hour, and I would be thoroughly entertained, and we would probably build a better relationship. But the goal here is to talk about leadership, and so only to the extent your story is is helpful to you know, kind of hit home a point about leadership because that's the topic. Is it necessary? And so, at the expense of building better relationships with my guests, I end up creating what I think is better content. So uh, I think the only key to success is to always be focusing on two things. Focus on creating. First off, most important is focus on what interests you. Because if you're not interested, nobody's going to be interested. And then second, focus on what benefits the listener and interests you. But if it benefits you, I don't know if it matters as much. So I don't have the best relationships, not bad ones, but I don't have these deep friendship bonds with a lot of my guests because I just jumped right into the tactics. And I don't know, maybe I'll regret that one day, but it's helped grow the podcast. Tell, tell me, tell me, Chris, who do you see jumping in the podcast game that's, a, that's going to immediately have an impact unless they do have a substantial following? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends where the following comes from. I think one of the things that I did, like I had built up a bunch of tight relationships with people who also had big followings, which helped during launch. I'd had a pretty big newsletter from the last startup I ran. So I think sometimes social media gets caught up in, in you know, there's probably a macro word that's like content creation, where it's like, well, I had a newsletter and the followers I did have on social media were all close friends of mine, many of whom had million plus follower relationship. So I might post something small to my friends and say, Hey, I'm launching a podcast. One of them might share it to a million people and say, this guy's, you know, knows his stuff, check it out. And so I might've benefited from social media without necessarily making it a big focus of mine. 
partially because it's just I have this whiteboard here of all the projects I'm working on. It's like you, know, you got a podcast, a newsletter, a YouTube, social media. And within social media, it's like text-based social media, image-based social media, short-form video-based social media. Uh, you know, there's just an unlimited number of things. And for me, I'm like, I went all in on the podcast. Then about a year in, I was like, let's expand to the newsletter. A year in, I said, let's let's kind of tinker with what a membership might look like. And social media is on the on the horizon, but I just haven't gotten there uh, yet. So I imagine by the end of the year, I'll probably probably dip my toes in that world once I have a little time and energy to focus on it. But there's just too many things. And I think the value of, of picking one or two and focusing is really high. And you've done that really well with social media. You know, I'll probably come asking for some of those hacks in a few months. Yeah, you're you're more welcome. I I, I uh, again, I think you'd be amazing on it. I think you would be once you do bite off on it, and it does become something you see that would be a value to you. I think that because uh, because it's not just about. I know you're a perfectionist, but social media today really is document. You put out what you would just want to put out. So yeah, but let's let's kind of. I appreciate you kind of going off on that a little bit and uh, be, being willing to talk about that. Uh, because I, again, it's, it's, that's a, that's my world. That's what I play in now because again, it's my opportunity to spread this message that I fell into. Um, so I usually ask this question of everybody and I, and this is again, this is again in the space I'm in mental health and, you know, um, is what three to five things do you not do to protect your mental health? What what are the, what are those three or five things you stay away from? Is it fair to put social media in this bucket? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Ah, what do I not do? I think one of the greatest protection. I mean, this is both a plus and a minus. But it's once you have kids, I find that it forces you to prioritize your time in a way that you just don't spend it on a lot of things that get you caught up in the in the keeping up with the Joneses game because you just don't have the time. But I think from a mental health standpoint, getting off this kind of treadmill of I need more this, I need more money, I need more resources, I need more toys, cars, whatever it is, just realizing that that it's never going to end, it'll never stop, and you just don't have to play has has been the most important thing. That's a good one. That's a good one. You know, if if you're not if you're not happy when you uh, don't have those things that you're pushing so hard for, keeping up with Jones, all these other things, if you're not happy without having that, you're not going to be happy when you get it. Yes. Yeah, I, I regularly um, I, I regularly talk about the parable of the Mexican fisherman, which uh, it seems like by, by head nods, everyone knows. For anyone not listening, the short version is, uh, you know, an investment banker in Mexico meets a fisherman who's, who's kind of going out and he's like, what do you do all day? He's like, well, you know, I wake up late, I relax, I go out fish, I sell some fish at the market, I hang out with my family, I sip some drinks at the on the beach by, by the water with my friends and then my wife and I dance in the evening. And he's like, well, I know, but what if you, what if you went and turned your fishing operation into a bigger operation, a bigger, and they ask all these back and forth questions of opening a cannery and starting a shipping carrier and all this stuff. And then he's like, and then what? And finally, the result is, well, then you can finally retire. You can go to Mexico. You can sit on the beach all day. You can relax. And it's just this hysterical thing of like, you know, 
figure out what you actually want and you might not need to, there might be an alternative path to get there. And, and I meet a lot of people who say they want to work really, really hard, make as much money as possible so they could retire early and spend more time with their kids. But they could also just have a less demanding job for the period of time when their kids are younger and spend time with them that way. Like there's, there's multiple ways to get at what you want. Yeah, that's, I think that's changing certainly a little bit these days. You got to man, my generation where I come from, I'm 62 and you know, that was force fed from society into your brain immediately. As soon as you could start, you know, uh, absorbing information from the outside and from the outside world was, this is how life is. So that was one. You got to give me at least one more of the don't. You just, it's just not going to happen because it's just, it's not good for you. Yeah, I, I'm just really transparent. And if I'm at, uh, if someone asked me, we were walking down the street the other day, and one of our neighbors was like, we're having a barbecue on Friday. Do you want to come? And I was like, no, I just want to relax on Friday. Work's been a lot. And I think I always end up having to caveat it with people I don't know that well with just to be clear, like most people are going to say yes, but they really have plans and they're just trying to be nice. I like you. I want to spend time with you. But on Saturday, I'd rather just do nothing because it's been a long week and it's nothing to do with you. Uh, and then as I get to know them, I could just say that off the gate. But I don't know. Whenever I see people playing, they're like, oh, I'd love to. Let me get back to you. I'm like, no, you, you don't even want to go. Just say no. Life would be so easy if we could be a little bit more direct. And so I'm sure there are people that that think that that, you know, that's not nice, but I don't know. It, I just don't have time for fake niceties. It's amazing. No, what you said is great. And I, again, that's another thing. The you, Being able to say no and incorporating that into your own self-care as you deal with people, that is, that's, that's one of the, the cores is, again, being able to use that word no. Saying no is taking care of yourself. And that's just exactly what you did. Hey man, sounds great. You know, next time maybe, but I'm chilling. I'm I'm just not coming. And and there was a time in my life where saying yes was what mattered. It was like I'm young. I need more opportunities. I want to meet more people. You have an event, I'm there. You have a thing, I'm there. You have a thing, I'm there. Now I'm like I've got a lot more responsibilities with my own work, with my family, with kids. Now it's like no, 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 and. I don't know. It, I'm comfortable enough with where I am in the world that I'm okay saying no. Yeah, I can tell. That's great. No, I appreciate that. Those were two two great answers. I, I, you know, I appreciate that. So, one last question. Okay, do you have a particular self care hack that you maybe do regularly or something that benefits your mental health? Yeah, I think this is. I don't know if this is a hack or not, but uh, we looked at all of the different ways you can get childcare, right? You can get a nanny, you can do daycare, you can go preschool, you can, one of the spouses could quit their job and stay home with your kids. There's a lot of options. And we landed on an au pair and we're, we're interviewing our fourth au pair now. And the reason we did it, there are a lot of reasons, but one of the things is the flexibility in their schedule which is not a daycare or a school where there's specific hours. It's not a nanny where the, often the hours are a little trickier so that my wife and I every other week can have her start late and work through bedtime and we can go out on a date. And so maybe that's like, it's not, I mean, 
it's it's care for both of us, but I can assure you that if you're in a relationship and you're able to spend time one-on-one with your partner on a regular basis, that is self-care. <laughs> like it's just something we all need. And I think, it, you know, if you're in a situation where you're not distracted by your kids, maybe your, your spouse is. And so I think just having that time, look, you can do it by hiring a, a babysitter. That's fine. You can do it by having a family member. You can wait till your kids are older, though that seems like, you know, forever away. But I think that not only do we have flexible childcare, not only is it actually less expensive, assuming you have the extra room in your house, but now my daughter would tell you she speaks three languages. Uh, you know, I think there's a, I did an episode on language hacking and, and learning languages. And an interesting thing is we have this perception of like, I don't speak a language until I speak it fluently. And if you just forget about that and you assume as soon as you can say a few words, you can speak a language and it's just going to be more difficult, but you can force yourself to do it. I was like, oh, I guess in that regard, I speak Spanish. I speak Arabic. Like I speak French. Um, you know, maybe I could say I speak Korean where as but my daughter, I asked her after I recorded this episode, I said, what languages do you speak? And she's like, I speak Italian, Spanish and English. And I was like, what? But I was like, she only knows 10 words of Italian, but in her mind, she speaks Italian. And so the side benefit is my daughter, at least the three-year-old now speaks multiple languages. And so I don't know, but the biggest hack is finding a way to consistently be able to go out to dinner with my wife without our children. No, that's great. I appreciate that, Chris. I'm so grateful that you were on here. Uh, and that you came on here, that you were willing to come on here and that you shared a lot of things around your podcast. And, you know, again, my goal is hopefully to be at any some level to where I can bring some some hacks to people, you know, with with what I'm doing, you know, just, you know, in that given sense. And, you know, here's some and you're a great example of that. So I really, really appreciate it. So in, in closing here, if you would whatever you want to uh, tell people where the best place to find you and, and, and where the, uh, all the hacks is, of course, that's going to be across all your podcast profiles, but anything else you want to put out, we'll also put it in the show notes, but, but yeah, just, just uh, let us know what you want us, what everybody to know. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for having me. If, if you want more, more life optimizations, right? I, I kind of split the show into travel, money, and life. And life could be meditation. It could be finding inner peace. It could be success and career. I think we got an episode on any of those. So scroll through the feed, find something. The one I will leave everyone uh, to go listen to is episode is episode 91. It's with a guy named Bill Perkins, who is on a mission to what he calls die with zero. And he wrote a book on it. And it probably was the episode that had the biggest impact in my life. If not that one, then one with Arthur Brooks, which you can go back and also look for. But this one, you know, he just makes a big case for focusing on net fulfillment instead of net worth. So instead of just aimlessly trying to rack up as much money as you, possi as you possibly can, focus on mass maximizing the fulfillment of life, which might mean in a year where there's an opportunity to do something while you're young and your body's able not saving because this is the time to do that thing. And, and it just, it totally changed my world. It was amazing. So, you know, you're listening to a podcast right now, search all the hacks and you can find that or any other episode and let me know what you think. That's, that, that's great. Thank you for that. And, and, and I just want to mention real quick, who was the guy, the, the podcast you did with the guy that wrote the book uh, about burning the boats? Yeah. Matt Higgins. Matt Higgins. I, I really enjoyed that episode too. So I think that's a good one 
Yeah, especially if you're trying to think what to do. If you have an entrepreneurial idea, you need a little bit of like, how do I, you know, the, the idea is, you know, you soldiers in the ancient day, you burn the boats, you, you can't, you can't bail, you have to, you have to go all in. Uh, that was a great one. I love that. Well, again, Chris, thanks. To, you know, uh, again, it's all the hacks and, and it's uh, y'all heard it here and, you know, you got a taste of it. So make sure you go follow, subscribe and, uh, you know, especially to the podcast. That's what Chris, uh, Chris focuses on. So, again, thanks, Chris. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening, and I hope my podcast has helped you in some way taking the path to becoming a self-care savage. Make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.